<laughs> don't let, bust my balls about the clap all the time, but no. Hey, everybody, it's Rob Religion National Fire Radio. We're here in the studio with Tucker and Jeremy. Hello. <laughs> Our guest today is Michael Conroy from the Axemen. Michael also is uh, is on my group at work, so I'm also his lieutenant and uh, very happy to have him. He's my unofficial senior man. Um, and, and Joe said it's okay to call him that. So, so he forced you to be here. A four gallery. Yeah, told me. Didn't have to actually at gunpoint. I mean, I was like, listen, man, you will ride the ambulance for the rest of your career, or you'll come on this shit now. It's he was more than happy because absolutely. It, so the fun thing about Michael is when he transferred uh, to Fairview from the city of Middletown, we were out back one night. We have a fire pit. We were talking about uh, about different things, smoking a cigar. And I asked Mike about the Axeman, which is why, kind of one of the reasons why it drove him to, to be here today. And I don't have a motorcycle. I'm scared to death of him because I've gone to so many motorcycle accidents. But I was like, why, why do the Axeman? And he had this great way, and I'm not going to steal his thunder, but it was just, it was the, the, really the part where I learned probably the most about him from this, um, from this conversation we had around the fire pit and everything. So um, with that, we'll, we'll jump into it. Um, usually, we, traditionally, we do like, well, so just tell us a little bit about yourself. Where you come from? All right, uh, Mike Conroy. Th- first off, thanks guys for having me. No, really. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Tyfys no kind of thing, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, I'm 30 years old. I've been a fireman now for probably about 10 Is that years. Tinder profile or what? <laughs> Swipe. <laughs> Swipe. <yeah. laughs> so, uh, I've been on the job for eight years now. I'm in my ninth year. Um, I started out with City of Middletown. Before that, I was a volunteer with Coltonham Fire Department in New York. Um, I got to give big props to those guys. A lot of guys forget where they come from. Those guys gave me the training that got me the job that I have today, and I'm really awesome. happy to have that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I, I got an opportunity to work with City Middletown, which is a very unique fire department. Um, I did that for eight years. Um, loved those guys to death. That's Local 1027. Uh, and then I ended up transferring to Fairview uh, just for out of a necessity for my own sanity <laughs> because of some of the issues like we discussed. And so I went to Fairview, and I've been there for a little over a year now. Um, and that's been it. That's a, you know, perpetual, you know, seven, eight year guy kind of thing, kind of caught in the middle between being a senior man and getting called salty by the junior guys because they're mad at me for telling they should do something. And I'm still getting called a probie by the, the senior men that are uh, working it. their way up until lieutenant status. So I'm kind of caught in limbo, but it's uh, not a bad place to be. Not a bad place at all. Nice. So Mike, what was, what was your first, uh, like your first fire? My first fire, um, I caught in 2011. I got hired in 2010. Uh, I got out of the academy in October of 2010. I want to say my first fire was November of 2011. Um, it was at 234 North Street in the city of Middletown. Um, I came in second, uh, third due. It was on the second alarm. Um, so we had uh, engine two, engine five, truck one. And at the time, truck one in the city of Middletown was a tiller. Uh, it was operated by Dave Guadry and Matt Castle. And uh, I believe they had a third guy, which was very rare. Right now in Middletown, you won't find a second guy on a rig. But uh, at the time, on truck one, it was a tiller, so they had two. And they actually had a third guy, which was a huge rarity. Uh, Truck three was out of service. I believe they had Jason Kainu running in the officer position uh, for them. Uh, Engine two was operated by Theron Atkins. And engine five was was run by Kai Oxford, who was uh, beautiful. I love that man. So, uh, My guy, right? You know, yeah, Mr. Kai. So we pull up, they pulled up to that, and they, they saw it was a second alarm. <laughs> they come pulling up to this thing, and uh, it was a, uh, I want to say it was a two-and-a-half-story uh, wood frame construction. Um, it was a little elevated because on, on that particular street, as they come in, there was probably 12 to 15 stairs on the exterior of it just to get up to the front door. 
um, that were on North Street, and North Street at that particular point in, in the city is on a, a pretty high elevation. So um, they had quite a stretch to make up those stairs. So they rolled up and saw flames rolling. I'll never forget that this is a really cool lesson for me. Dave Guadari, my lieutenant at the time, pulled up to it. And, uh, <laughs> and I still remember it because I was sitting up at Engine 6. Engine 6 is a single engine house. So I was by myself up there. And I heard him go out to a structure fire. So I immediately, you know, ears perked up. And I sit there and now I'm going to listen and hear if it's actually anything good. And, uh, and I hear Dave come on the, uh, come on in. Uh, this is truck one to headquarters. Headquarters on. Can you give me a second alarm? And I was like, is he running like a radio show or is he like calling a second alarm? Like, is he legit? Like, what's happening right now? So when he called that, like, I, I knew just by my run book, hey, man, I'm, I'm rolling into this then. That's my, uh, that's where I'm coming in. So I jumped in the engine and they called me down to it. Uh, as I was coming down <clears throat> to, the, uh, to the call, um, you know, I was listening to my radio because uh, when it comes in on a second alarm, basically, uh, you listen to the chiefs, you give them a call as you're getting closer to let them know you're coming in, so they can give you a better idea of where to come in. Uh, there was a couple different ways I could have come in that day. Um, they told me to come in off of Church Street and hit the hydrant at Church Street and North, and that's what I did. Brought that in, charged it, and got a, an extra supply line into those guys. And then I just kind of sat back and, and watched. You know, you kind of get into an, like an awe. You know, I was sitting there and I'm looking back, like, wow. And at the time, being a junior man, Kai went up and did his thing off engine five, and he said, hey, you know, here's my pump, you know, kind of thing. So I got to sit back. It's really, uh, really odd how that works. I ended up, as a junior man, being the guy running the pump, which was kind of cool for the second new engine that was there. Um, but that, that was my first one, and, and uh, it ended up, unfortunately, being a fatal fire. But uh, the, the guys got a good knock on it and, and did a good job. Awesome, awesome. And when was, like, was, like, was this, uh, was this... First fire, door apparently. Um, was this first like when was it that you realized like hey this is awesome like this is what I like like it, it clicked for you like you're in, you're in a spot. All right, so <clears throat> that actually brings me back to volunteer days. So then I'll, I'll step back like even further. So yeah. when I uh, when I first started hanging around a firehouse, now I'm, I'm a fourth generation firefighter. I never wanted to be a fireman though. You know what I mean? Like at the just time, forced it. right? Because wait, family. Wait until midway through the story. Not even that. So I, at the time, I didn't want to be a fireman. Uh, by the time that I was 16, 17 years old, my dad had been out for years. My grandfather and I never really talked about firefighting. Cause I, he was four, I was 14 when he passed away. Um, so we never had an opportunity to talk about it. He was a, he was a volunteer with Middletown um, for 60 years. So when, uh, by the time that I started hanging out and I had moved into that area where Coldenham was, uh, my brother wanted to get involved with it. He's a couple years older than me. So he had joined... And he kept on nagging me. You got to come down, and hang out in the firehouse. You got to come down, and hang out in the firehouse. And I really didn't want to do it, um, but we started doing it. I started coming down. We'd play poker every once in a while. Um, it was just like that old school firehouse mentality. <clears throat> we sat around the table. We either had a couple beers or a couple of coffees. We watched Rescue Me on Tuesdays because that was what we did. And we played some cards. And we had a you know it was an awesome time that we did that. And then one day you know the guys kind of gathered around, similar to this, and they said, Hey, you're gonna join. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do that. And one of the guys blocked the door and said, no, you're going to join. Here you go. Fill this out. You're joining the company. And I was like, guys, I really don't. They wouldn't let me out. I was there for like three hours before I was like, fine, guys. You know, and I ended up signing up. And, and uh, that's how I started being a volunteer. And I ended up like falling in love with it just through like the training, the camaraderie, the, the like brotherhood that I felt there was, was huge for me. And a, a lot of that is probably because um, – 
a lot of the older guys, it was their kids that were there. And so there was a lot of, hey, you shouldn't be doing some of the things that you're doing, but we did it too, so have some fun, guys. You know, yeah. so there was a lot of that. And we had enough, like a nice core group of young guys so that um, we enjoyed going to training together. We enjoyed, you know, every day that we were there, we just sit there, you know, I got, for me at the time, it was a way to get out of my house yeah, because I had just, uh, I was going to college at the time, uh, community college, so, you know, Harvard on the Hudson, their own Orange County Community College. So, <laughs> so I was, I was there, and uh, I'd come home, and you know, you're just sitting around at that point. And so let me go down to the firehouse. So you know, you'd end up going down to the firehouse, hanging out, be there until one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, and then go home. And you ended up sitting there and just saying, "Hey guys, you want to train on something? Yeah, let's do this." You know, and it ended up being a really cool time for me. And that's really where I fell in love with it. Um, so do it you, wasn't. Do you remember the hook? That's what I'm always curious about, right? Yeah, you, you know, we always, we always ask guys about their first fire. Yeah. We talk about, you know, how did you get into it? They give us a little backstory. But, like, I, I, I'm I having a hard time myself trying to remember my hook. Yeah. Like, you know, you join. I'm a, I'm a legacy, right? I was uh, second generation in my department. And so my father laid the groundwork. I grew up mm -hmm. in a place. Like, I get that, right? I mean, I just had the, the way in. Yeah. But, you know, I I still, to this day, try to think about the hook that, I, that got me. You know, mm -hmm. like, was it a fire? Was it a drill? Was it that hot shake that was like your fireman? Like, <laughs> yeah, shiny brights. Yeah, shiny <laughs> bright lights. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I mean, that could <laughs> shiny, shiny, shiny. Very well you know, could have been, but I, I'm just, I'm just curious because, you know, for me, and this, and this may, it doesn't. I don't want to get sappy or any sentimental thing or anything like that. But for me, um, my entire life, I kind of followed in my dad's footsteps. You know, right. he wrestled in high school, so I wanted to wrestle in high school. Uh, he worked on cars, so I wanted to work on cars a little bit, whether or not I did or not. I'm terrible at it, but. Uh, <laughs> But knowing that he was a fireman, knowing that my grandfather was a fireman, once I got into the fire service, yeah. and like I said, I had never had those conversations with my grandfather because I showed no interest in it right. at the time when he passed or any time before that. So once I learned that there was a family history there, and like, oh, you know what, this, it's almost like that mindset of like, this is, I'm supposed to do this. It's cool. I'm supposed to yeah. be good at this. Yeah. It's in my blood. In and I want to do this. eternity, you're a legacy. Yeah. So, so for that, it like, opens I think, doors. I think that was the hook that like, that desire to fit in with my own family. I get it. It was like, this is it. This is I what I'm going to do. Yeah. And, and so that, I think that might've been the hook. And then of course, like I said, that camaraderie that I felt there with those guys, we would sit out in the firehouse. We, we would pull out some chairs and not, it's not a super busy department. I think one of our heaviest years, we maybe did 400 calls. Um, so I want to say we're sitting around 300 on an average now, but we would sit out there probably four or five of us We'd pull our rolling chairs out from the table. That's behind the engine at the time It was the, the old uh, 208 our old rescue we pull out in front of that and We would just sit out there and we would just shoot the yeah. shit Yeah, and, and you know you just have a connection with people <clears throat> that are from a different background Maybe than you had a different upbringing than you but you're bonded by something and yeah. that was always cool to me and, yeah. I, and I think that's always been a big hook. It's one of those it's one of those things that, you know, I have a lot of, I mean, majority of my friends are fire service driven. Mm -hmm. But then I have my other group of friends that mainly were my wife's friends that were not, oh. it had nothing to do with the firehouse. And they, they have a hard time understanding. And I, I find this so unique is that I can have a good friend in the firehouse that's 18 years old and I can have a good friend in the firehouse that's 90 years old. Right, continuously. And that, yep. Right, and, there, and there's no <laughs> difference between them. Yeah. They're not treated differently. I mean, everybody gets the same respect. I mean, the older guys obviously maybe well, a little more respect. Well, you still have to earn your respect. Without, sure. without a doubt. It but, doesn't matter whether you're but then, or old. Right, but the best part is, is like we throw a party at my house or a barbecue, and I invite all the guys from the firehouse, and all these this huge range of guys walk in, and my buddies that have no idea, they know I'm heavily involved, but they don't understand it, look at me and go, how does this work? 
Like, and, yeah. and, and the 20 year old kid is chatting the 60 year old guy up and down and they're getting along like best friends oh, yeah. and people sit there and scratch their heads and I said you have to understand it's I, a lot bigger than this age doesn't matter and it I continuously please. get my chops broke by my wife every once in a while you know at, yeah, at, yeah, yeah. when we first started dating we were, we've been dating we've been together for about 10 years now and when we first started dating you know at the time she had just graduated high school she was going away to college I was uh, 20 or so whatever I was and she would be mad like you know, I saw you at the seventeen-year-old's party. I was like, "Yeah, he's a volunteer fireman. Like, it's right. fine." Like, you know, so even yep. even up until like, you yeah, know, it might like be 20, a little weird now. Twenty-four, twenty-five-year-old oh, party definitely is now. <laughs> but now, you know, twenty-four, twenty-five years old at the time, you know, she'd still be upset. You know, you how do you know these people who are twenty? Without a doubt, my brother's age, you know, her her little brother, uh, who's now no longer little at all. But at the time, her little brother, who was uh, 18, 19 years old, while we were in our twenties, I knew some of his friends just because they were in the fire service. Yeah. And, and I, th I think that's what's so hugely important. And we talk about the brotherhood and we talk about those type of things. And, and I think, you know, that's a big part of it, right? Is like understanding that in the fire service, you know, the age steps aside, right? And the, there's mutual respect. We're all doing the same job yeah. and so on. So, I mean, I, I think it's that's important. Family. And it's uh, without yeah. a doubt. And without each a doubt. house is its own family within the giant fraternity. Right? And it builds a social maturity. You wouldn't have the 20-year-olds being able to talk to the 60-year-olds right. if it weren't for the fact that you come into the firehouse and there's a 60-year-old sitting over there that's done it all, seen it all, and I can sit here, and obviously you have to have the right mentality, but you say, hey, man, tell me tell me this. So how did and, you do that? How and I couldn't agree with you more because outside of the fire service, where else are you going to get a, a mix like that that's actually going to be able to intertwine? And they'll, and right. they'll integrate, which right. they don't usually. You know, the older guys are going to keep their right. stuff close to the chest. Yeah, I think it's incredible. It I think it's a fantastic dynamic that can't be lost and yeah. it has to you know it has to maintain when it really drives what we do here on national fire radio is trying to make sure that we don't lose that because right. it's like it was yeah. really like one of the things i were just you know I, I jokingly tell people all the time they're like how do you like where did this idea come from to do this podcast and i said well jeremy pretty much said hold my beer i gotta make a phone call but like it, it seriously was that <laughs> it was that, that easy like hey we have i have this idea right and this is what i'm worried about and every time we talk like we're talking about this stuff and it's just you yeah. don't want to lose that, so. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. So, awesome. So, that was the hook, right? So, mm -hmm. and then from there, I mean, you know, so you were uh, volunteer to career. Yep. And then, um, you know, I guess uh, we were talking before, before we were rolling live and so on. But yeah. you have quite the dynamic in your first career department, and it was an interesting job. Yeah. And, yeah very, uh, very interesting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, like I said, I got to give a shout out to those guys in the Vocal 1027. Those guys are going out there and they are working uh, a lot of times in the first three to four minutes by themselves and they are busting their backs to the, the, those first five minutes are so critical on a fire call and those guys are you know for for, for instance a structure call that we go to uh, you're throwing two engines and a ladder in the street that first two guy and, and in the department uh, there's seven companies there's one guy per apparatus that's assigned to it um, so you're sending two engines in the ladder you got three guys that are showing up to that call um, first two engine is, is making sure that line's at the door. He might be doing a 360. He might be just trying to get an idea if there's still people inside. And then he's going back to his, his uh, pump. If he has an opportunity to get his own supply line, he's doing it. If not, he might call into the second two engine and let him know where the supply line is. Because that, uh, that engine two guy that's coming in, it's his job to bring the supply in one way or the other. If the, if the first two engine doesn't have it, that's your job. Second two engine, you get us a supply. So either that's a forward way or a reverse way, but you do it get it done <laughs> kind yeah. of thing um, and then the truck guys are really going in and, and doing their quick search and grabbing the line and going in and, and uh, running the the interior operations 
Um, so it's uh, those guys are getting their their uh, they're getting their backs broke. Yeah. Every day. I, I have to think, though, that, um, you know, we've been chatting about this for quite a bit now, and, and to give us the rundown, I mean, you're talking about a structural fire arriving with two and one, potentially with three guys, yeah. right? You're offset oh, yeah. by volunteers in that department, right? Sure. So it's career staff, combination department, offset by volunteers, but we know volunteerism is on a, on a lull. Oh, yeah. We know that uh, it's hard to fill the boots these days. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, yeah, I mean, those guys must bust their chops, no doubt, but I don't think it's overly different other than the dynamic but overly different in a lot of different places right like you talk about staffing mm-hmm. right even you guys yeah. where you guys are together rob and you're the boss on your tour but you have four guys right yeah six in the daytime monday through friday and four every time else right yeah and i can and so, move two of them to an ambulance call and then be going right. fire with just two and, of I, us. and i think that's more the norm than the yeah. new york city six and five or these oh, smaller absolutely. cities with four in a truck four in an engine like that doesn't happen anymore or it's happening, but it's happening in big metropolises that can afford it and know the value of that. But a lot of these smaller cities and, and suburban departments that have career staffing, they're running very thin yeah. minimums. I was going to say, right? you talk yeah. to any, you, talk about it. you talk to any career staff, and it doesn't matter what department you're hitting. If it's all the way up in Hornell, all the way over to Greece, all the way down to to uh, it could be Middletown, California, it could be to Florida, it is, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You hit them up and say, "What's your number one problem?" They're going to say staffing. In my in my opinion, and I might be wrong, but if you ask anybody, hey, what's your number one problem here? They're going to say staffing. I wish we had one or two more guys riding out with us on that rig. Yeah. That's huge. And, and to bring it one step further, because, I mean, you're a career fireman, and we, we're talking career tonight, but even in the volunteer service, like, we're not getting out the numbers anymore in the volunteer service either. And so when we talk about firefighting on the, on our platform, we just talk about firefighting, right? Yeah. But, and, but what I'm getting at is this, right? Whether career or volunteer, it seems like we're doing more with less these days, mm-hmm. and that, especially in staffing. Yeah. And so, you know, we should probably talk about some of that tonight here. How do we combat that? What are we doing? How, in Middletown, right, where you were, right? Yeah. I mean, your yeah. original career department, you know, you could have been on scene by yourself, responsible, fire showing two windows, yeah. and you're responsible for water, wet your line, get in there, put water on a fire, and then search while the fire is knocked. I mean, yeah. and that can all happen within three minutes on arrival Absolutely. before your second do even gets there. <laughs> but that can happen right. anywhere now, but, right? But part like, of it is also the way you set up your vehicles. So especially if you're light staffed, things should be in progression of kind of how you're going to pull them so you don't have to think sure, that without that a doubt. Hard. Sure. You're, just, Absolutely. you're just going through and you're in the door. Right. Well, But volunteers should be doing the same thing. Agree. And I, I, agree. I think of one of our coworkers who worked in another uh, a small village municipality um, down in Westchester County, Portchester, and you know he came back, but unfortunately the guys that were down there got laid off. But they they didn't have any kind of say in their rig setup, so like they got a, a demo unit essentially from a, a manufacturer, and they're like, hey, here, make this work, and you better be efficient at it. And it's like, I I was blown away i was like wait so you because the one was a pierced puck here it is trying to make stuff fit in it and this guy well not <laughs> yeah. only that but like he had to stretch a line off this this truck and then off his engine and then repack it by himself and if you've ever seen that configuration you know that's not easy yeah, yeah. like so yeah. it's just it's nuts it it is and i i think though that it's so prevalent these days and i think you know we have to admit what we're dealing with and we yeah. have to we have to be realistic about the fire service that we have today. We're not all, you know, I, I sit on the, on the volunteer side and you hear about, oh yeah, well, you know, four guys, five guys, six guys on an engine. I'm like, when is that happening anymore? Right. It's, it's not. You know? Right. It's not. And right. you know, and a big part of that, um, I, I'm, I still volunteer. Um, I haven't been very active in a long time. 
Uh, but when I was at my most active, one of the biggest arguments that I had with some of the people who were in charge was I said, you know, you can't run out of the building when you hear structure fire and all this stuff, which is, you know, obviously that's our bread and butter and we should be excited about that and we should be wanting to go to those things. You can't run out of the call and just say, you know, we're responding because it sounds good on radio time that we got out quick. And I feel like we struggle to survive sometimes as, as fire services in the area, uh, that you want to get out quick, you want to have response time, you want to be on scene quick and all that nonsense, which is, which is fantastic. But in a volunteer service where you're pulling up to maybe the firehouse and then jumping on a rig, which in, in Coldenham was the case, um, maybe wait. It's an unpopular opinion. But take a second. Uh, maybe if there's a laptop there in the, in the passenger seat, look up what you have as the officer that's jumping in that seat. The driver, who probably should know the district better than anybody else if he's driving the rig, should understand that property and, and get an idea of what he's got going into his head. And take a step back and breathe and wait for one or two more guys to get on the rig rather than run out with two. And, and that way you're not throwing four or five pieces of apparatus on the scene and clogging up the streets for mutual aid that you might need with seven guys on right. scene. And, and but even you show, some guys back at the house, because right? they never got it on always the happens. Yes. It always happens. You, you know, you go yep. to a structure fire, there's 10 people on scene, there's 30 people back at the house, 15 of them were sitting there waiting, and the second dude yeah. pulled out in front of them. You know, and, and that happens a lot. Um, so I think it would be, it's an, like I said, it's an unpopular opinion, but sometimes sit back. I don't, I don't think it's unpopular. It, it, you know, what, what, well, it's also safety, too. It comes down to making sure. the right decision. And somebody's right. got to be in the seat to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. What I found is being an officer, it's really hard to make the right decision oh. sometimes. <laughs> and it sucks. Yeah. And you're like, wow, like when an adult thing's hard, this is even harder. Like, you know, but yeah. it, you have to do it. And yeah. That's certainly not easy to, to make that call, especially when yeah. you know it's a fire call. Like I said, we all get excited about that. We want to go to that. That is the that is the the flashing lights. It's not even the one yeah. on the rigs. It's yeah, the and, we want to go to that. I, I agree <laughs> with you, and I, I agree. You know, sometimes the right decision is not the popular decision, and, yeah. and more times than not, it's more it's, times. Yeah, than not. right. Yeah. But the other thing I wanted to hit on too is um, I'm just thinking of my own situation. The, the last fire I ran to, um, you know, the last in in district job that I went to it was a daytime. I happened to be off that day, and uh, man, I mean, you want to talk about doing more with less. But I think what scares the hell out of me is that if I wasn't in the seat I was in for that fire, and I'm, water. and I'm thinking, thank you, Seb, I'm thinking about, like, <laughs> no, I'm right. I mean, Sebby's off camera right now, like, yeah. running out there because he rides with me, and he was on another rig that day. But, but the issue is this, is, like, and this then goes into training and know-how and so on, but, like, mm-hmm. because we're doing more with less, we have higher expectations of the guy's in those positions, right? So where the engine used to be able to run out with six guys, you might have four that are incredibly competent and two that were like, eh, they'll just follow me, follow my coattails, you know, that type yeah. of thing. But now, now in, in whether career or volunteer, because it happens in both, right? I mean, you know, I was just listening to something today about the career service and talking about guys that are in it for the paycheck and guys that are in it for the love of the job. And, and there's that very big difference in the job. And it's the same Huge. with the volunteer service too. Mm-hmm different you know different reasons why we're involved but at the end of the day now with less we're operating with less guys we need those less guys to be more talented yeah. than they ever were before yeah yep right i mean i don't know if maybe hit on that a little bit i don't know just my thinking but here I, right i think back to what steve Kalman said on, on when he was here like the uh, experience base versus training base and we struggle with that like because now we have this responsibility to train these guys up to get them ready because we talked about it today. Our senior firefighter in Fairview, by the seniority list, 
has seven years on the job. And, you know, you talk to Bobby Ecker, and he's talking about this huge turnover that happened in Jersey because of Chris Christie yeah. and, and all his pension reform. And, like, it's, yeah, yeah, like, and we, we know that the experience isn't there because we're not, we're not running the jobs like right, we used to. But, but being realistic about the job today, yeah. right, and being realistic and saying, listen, you have the probability of, you know, okay, you want to be a, you want to be a, uh, pump operator you want to be a driver you want to be a chauffeur then this is the job that it entails but guess what you don't get a helper you don't get a hydrant guy you might have to shoulder load your own 100 or 200 mm-hmm. feet back to the hydrant if you pass it mm-hmm. like these are all things that that guy has to know that takes it a few steps further than what they yes. used to know yeah you know like oh i'll just hey stay with me you know the officer hey proby or junior guy like stay with the driver and get him set up you know and then he's like do this do that you know shit doesn't happen anyway right. So, but anyway, um, okay. So, sorry. No, we're, no, we're, that's we're, awesome. We're veering that's off, but about, um, right? <laughs> it, it certainly <laughs> is. It certainly is. But I want to capture your story too. So, um, we got your hook. We got you know Middletown where you started. Then yeah. you ended up looking for more. Yeah. Um, so, not to take anything away from the guys that work for Middletown, but it was just I didn't want to accept it for what it was. I remember in 2012, 2013 or so, talking to my my then girlfriend, fiance, maybe even. And saying, hey, you know. Don't get that wrong. Yeah, yeah no, let's well, move on. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Diane. <laughs> hey, her name was still Diane. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's really move on. I know a lot of Dianes. Uh, I'm just kidding. I love you. Um, so <laughs> I just I just had my heart stop for a minute. Like, well, I'm not coming to the second birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 so yeah. so um, I remember sitting there back in the day, 2013, I want to say it was, and I remember telling her, I said, do I want to be like one of the guys that's going to sit here and fight and try to make change and be disgruntled as shit in a job that I love when I'm, you know, 20 years on, 30 years on, like I was watching some of my senior men and my lieutenants be, or do I want to leave and do I want to get out while I can? And I said, do I, you know, and at the, even at that time, and I still feel this today, I miss those guys more than anything in the world. I love those guys yeah. that work for 1027. And, uh, you know, there's not a day that goes by that I don't, I'm not reminded of a story, that I'm not reminded of one of those when I'm at work or when I'm off work. It doesn't matter. Um, and I, I knew that that kind of thing might happen because even then, when I wasn't as embroiled in all of the nonsense that was going on there, when I had the mindset of, I don't know that I want to leave these guys. You know, do I want to turn my back on them and go and find something better suited for me and it felt very selfish at the time and uh in in 2017 when i finally made that jump um it felt selfish um but i needed to move to a more progressive department i needed to move to something that uh was going to allow for me to grow as a person and as a fireman yeah and i felt like i was getting stifled in uh, middletown not because of the guys that worked there but because of the management and because of uh, the, the type of department that it was, I just was not growing. Um, and I was really unhappy with that. And, you know, I came to a point, I remember calling uh, Chief Mater in Fairview uh, when I talked to him about possibly coming in for an interview. Uh, and it was after a particular incident in the city of Middletown. And I said, hey, man, I, you know, are you still looking for anybody? And, you know, I'd love to stop in and drop off a resume. And he said, you know, why do you want to come here? Uh, and, and one part of that was because there was a couple of members who Fairview who had reached out to me and asked me if I ever wanted to transfer to, to put in papers, and they had been asking for a while. Um, but a, another reason uh, that I, I told him, I said, you know, I, I don't like going to work anymore. Yeah. I don't like doing this anymore. 
it's become a job. It's become something that I never wanted it to be. One of our favorite lines back, you know, we have a Lieutenant Carpenter who loves to say, I haven't worked a day since I got out of the academy. And it's true, I hadn't, you know, up, up until the points where things really started to take a downturn in Middletown. And I got to a point where I could have taken a shift off, had eight days off, because we work a 24-72 schedule in Middletown. And I'd sit there and say to my wife, I really just don't want to go in tomorrow. And she'd say, Mike, you know, look, some of us work five days a week. You know, what do you mean you don't want to go to work? And it ended up becoming a bone of contention between us, unfortunately. And I said, you know, this is even like infiltrating my home life now. It's yeah. not healthy. Yeah. I'm not happy. It's time to go. i got to get out of here. And um, so I, I told her, I said, you know, financially, whatever happens, I'll make it work. I'll go get a second job if I have to. But i got to do what's right for my household. i got to do what's right for did me. Did you find in, in, in your first place, mm-hmm. did you find that your performance... Your, I mean, obviously, you know, you're talking about your drive towards the end and so on that you were yeah. like, hey, I don't want to go anymore. But what, what happens to that firehouse culture, right? Like, you get hired there, you're ready to go, man, right? You're oh, yeah. checking equipment, cleaning tools, like, ready to go. Bell goes, you're, you're out the door. You're Absolutely. motivated, right? There's a yeah. fire under your ass. Yeah. Do you, do you find, and I don't, I'm not trying to put that, that department or their culture under a microscope. I'm just talking in general. Mm-hmm. I have to think that over time, though, People that decide to stay in an environment like that—that's not maybe overly healthy or beneficial on both ends, right? Because it's a yeah. give and take. I have to think productivity starts to dip. Yeah, you can't sit there and uh, and feed guys loads of crap all day and then expect their morale to be high and expect them to be looking to say, "What can I do for management? Right. What can I do to better this department?" Right. Especially when you go out of your way to do it, go out of your way to do it, go out of your way to do it, and you're stifled. And say, yeah. No. You know what? We're happy with you closing the bay doors. We're happy with you sitting in a recliner. We're happy with you doing the training you do. We don't want you to get better. We don't want you to grow. Yeah, and, and, you know, none of that is verbalized, per I get, se. No, I get it's it. there. But, right, you know? it's through and the so, actions. And, right. So, yeah. you know, at, at the end of the day, you end up in a position where it's like, you know what? I'm just going to sit back. I'm just going to sit back. It doesn't matter anymore. I'm just going to get up, go to work, and do my thing, and go back home. It yeah. doesn't matter to me anymore. And that's when you get it. It's horrible. It's a terrible way to be. Yeah, but how did? I mean, I I think it's great though that you recognize that, right? And you said, okay, you know, here we are. I'm at a crossroads, right? I mean, yeah. You're in a, you're all in a, is huge. Yeah. You're in a profession that you love, right? Mm-hmm. You were one of the lucky to get a job. Yeah. Right. That you worked oh, yeah. hard to get a job like that, and then you realized, like, hey, man, it's it should be better. Yeah. Um. And and at the time, you know, my way, it was a huge risk for me. Uh, I had just bought a house the year before. I bought a, I bought my house in January of 2016, I want to say. Um, and I just, my wife was pregnant. She was pregnant. She was eight months pregnant. When I was seven months, eight months pregnant. When I said, I got to get out of here. I got to do this. So it, it was, it was, when, you know, opportunity. You, you don't, you know, you don't wait for circumstance for opportunity to knock on the door. It just You're right. happened and it happened. And I said, it's time to do it. And uh, so she was real nervous when it, when it came time to do it. And, and, uh, I know that she was, and I said, hey, look, I'm going to make it work. Either yeah. throw overtime or picking up a second job or whatever sure. I have to do. Sure, But I, this is going to happen, and it needs to work. For the love of the job. Yeah. And for your own sanity. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, and I think, too, the other part is that, like, for us as a local, having you come in, we knew the risk you were taking. Like, I didn't realize Diane was pregnant until she showed up at the firehouse one night when we were getting ready for one of our co-workers weddings <laughs> and she's like Ooh, and she I, ate too much taco bell huh <laughs> weird don't ask her if she's pregnant you don't and do I, that and i'm like and i'm like thinking to myself I'm like wow this guy is like 
he, you know, she's eight months into it, and he's going to, like, switch insurance plans yeah. and everything else. And I'm like, I like, and I'm, in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, is this guy going to be okay? Like, what are we going to... And then, like, the guys themselves are like, all right, like, we know this baby's coming, so, like, we're going to have to, like, make sure that he gets the time off that he needs and stuff. And you got... Oh, I got, got three mutuals. weeks. Yeah, I got three weeks worth of, uh, worth of mutuals from guys. I maybe took one or two shifts off during that entire period. At the time, I was working day shift, so it was a 10-hour shift. Um, and the guys really stepped up and, and did the right thing by me. Not, and that was the first time. They certainly did so a little later, too, um, in my in my short tenure so far with Fairview. But, um, yeah, when, when Diane had the baby, there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Guys were, hey, let me step up to the plate and work for you. And I think I would have gotten the same thing in Middletown. I don't think that that ever was a... Knowing the guys that I've met from, yeah. from you in, from Middletown and seeing them in the third district meetings, I yeah. know you would have gotten it. Yeah. But it was just... Cause I you don't think little, that was... That would have never been books. the issue, um, but yeah, the the guys from Fairview certainly opened me, uh, welcomed me with open arms, and, and allowed for me to have three weeks off with my wife and uh, baby girl. So that was awesome. Yeah, it was huge. <laughs> I'm I'm sure I'm sure. But so so you leave you you start a new career. Yep. On pins and needles and nervous and all these big changes in life, and then uh, and here you are. Now was what 2017? Yeah, July 2017. I went to Fairview. So you're. Just how do you, over a year probation now. is a year, or how do you... So, <clears throat> probation generally in, in Fairview was a year long. Um, the chief had told me at the time, because of my, my years on was Middletown, that he thought maybe he'd give me a six-month probation. Um, and then I started getting fairly active in the union pretty quickly, and and, uh, and he had heard a rumor that I might run for an officer position in the union. And so he pulled me in, and, and the chief did the right thing there, too. He said, hey... Uh, I understand you might be running for office in the union. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. And he said, all right. He said, if in the event that you get elected, uh, I'll end your probation in December. And so I ended up doing a probation of four months. And he said, I, the reason being, he didn't ever want to put me in a position where I had to speak about topics. Yeah, I get that. And that, I respect that. Yeah. yeah. And that was, that, was, that was really cool. And it was a solid that. move. I mean, yeah. you know, absolutely. nobody pressured him into it. So right, like, right, right. Yep. That was a no, but know, one-on-one but then, conversation. But then, you know, I mean, that, that kind of sets the tone, too, then, about the way the place is, yeah, right? Because, you know, you're coming from one place that, you know, we didn't, you, <laughs> didn't, you didn't feel the support. You didn't feel... Not at all. So right. I, was, I was blown away. Uh, within my first month of, of working for Fairview, the chief started this new thing uh, called Coffee with the Chief. And so what he would do is he would come in in plain clothes uh, once a month, once a week after the officers' meeting, and he would, and he'd come in, and he'd buy breakfast for us, and he'd just sit at the table and say, "Hey, all right, guys, you know there are t- things, there's topics that are in the front room that don't make their way to the back room. There's topics in the back room that don't make their way to the front office. I want to try to dispel anything that might be, you know, not really creating that harmonious relationship. Whatever's creating some yeah, turbulence here, right. let's figure it out. And so, you know, a lot of guys, for whatever reason, maybe haven't embraced that so much. I loved it. I love it. I've eaten it up. Because even if in, in that time I wasn't going to speak my mind whatsoever, I had no say whatsoever. That was a uh, you know probie at the point at the time. I came from a department where you walk on eggshells if you have to knock on the chief's door right. and walk in because there's just a difference of mentality, a different mindset walking in there. And and not only that, but there's always this underlying animosity that for whatever reason we neither side can really get over. To hey, can you guys tell me your concerns about the department? Can we? What can we do to try to work towards progress and making this place better? Yeah. And it was like, pfft. yeah, mind blown. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> so holy shit, that, that where was am cool I? to me, and I loved it. Yeah. Um, so I was really taken back by that. I, I, 
managerial skills is huge, right? I mean, you, you, you're talking about a any job. It doesn't have to be the fire service. It's anything, right? Mm-hmm. When you have good managers, and this goes from, you know, the senior guy in a shift to the formal manager of a lieutenant or captain up the line, right? Culture in the firehouse inherently is designed, I think a lot of it starts at the bottom and goes up to the top. And I think the bottom drives the the real passion in the firehouse, right? That to me, the guys in the bottom, right, your newest guys to your guys that have a couple of years in the seat, if they're gung-ho all the time, right, they're going to push their higher-ups majority of the time to do better for them. Where guys get, as they go up the line, they get a little more comfortable. Sometimes they slow down a little bit. Yeah. But if the guys in the bottom keep pushing, right, the guys on the top tend to react favorably, right? Not all the time, but most of the time in management, right? Mm-hmm. So I know in my own company, if my employees want to do X, Y, and Z, I'm fl- I'm like yes, let's do this. This is great. Like I love I love the wheels turning mm-hmm. on the on the on the on the lower end coming up the chain. I love that. Like I love that. But I also know that in managerial skills too, that the top can kill morale, and I get that too. But the morale is only killed if it's allowed to be killed. Whereas the bottom guys, again, need to say, hold on a minute, we disagree with this. Don't kill our spirit. We still have spirit. We still have gun mm-hmm. You know, we're still gun home. So it's it's that, right? Yeah. It's that even exchange back and forth, yeah. right? There's a lot of that. And you know what the healthy mix is there. Please. You have the healthy mix of junior men, or and this is in volunteer and career staff. You have those young guns that want to go and check their rig right away. They want to go and make sure that they're squared away to go out to their calls and stuff like that. And then you have the officers who might be coming in and grabbing their first cup of coffee for the day. In the volunteer side, you might have the guys that like don't really participate in the rig checks anymore because, hey, kid, I've been there, done that, right. and everything's supposed to be in its place. Right. You know, I know the every nook and cranny of that engine. So you have that kind of thing, and you'll have that back and forth. What you do need is good senior men. You've got to have that mold. That's, that is... The, uh, the cream in the Oreo, you know? So what they do is when these guys are catching shit from the senior, from the officers, they stifle them and tell them, hey guys, you know, just relax, I'll talk to them a little bit. Because they have that working relationship. In the career side, they're the guys that got hired with those guys and did, either didn't make officer because they didn't take the test because they didn't want to and don't want that weight on their shoulder, or they just did, got passed up and said, all right, hey, you know, I'm still doing my job. And they're doing the right thing. But those guys, they're close. They're always gonna be close. So, and from management down, when they say, hey, why are the junior guys doing this? They understand it still because those senior men, if they haven't made officer yet, they understand that drive still because, in my opinion, you want to move up. You want to move up, and if you don't want to move up, you want to make sure the guys on below you are going to maintain that culture that you believe in. So, oh, like, that's a good senior man. Listen, man, you, you, you played right into where I was going with this. That's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what I'm getting at. And, and so, you know, the, that senior man rides that middle, right? Yeah. He can he puts his foot up the junior man's ass. He can also kind of give it to the officer a little bit like, right. hey, boss, why don't you join us tonight? Wink, wink. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, why don't you yeah. put your yeah. uniform on for that meeting? Yeah. I mean, it, it goes it yeah. goes a long way. And it, Wait and, a second. No. That <laughs> <laughs> <It> was pointed. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm, I, thank you. I mean, I, that, yeah. was, that was I, spot on. I yeah. always looked at it like the, from the HBO miniseries Generation Kill, and I read the book, and there was a point where the, the lieutenant was, you know, it was towards the end when they were pushed into Baghdad and everything, and the, uh, the, the sergeant came up to him, and he's like, how are the men doing? He's like, they're, they're doing pretty good. You know, they're, they're ready to kill everything else. Like, they're continuing the mission. But you just let me know if we need to uh, 
start harping on that grooming standard a little <laughs> bit and I'll get on them about it. And that was really that senior man because um, the senior man, like to me, especially when I, like it came to like like my senior man, Craig, who we had before, like, you know, a lot of people could say a lot of different things about Craig, but the one thing Craig knew is if I was mad about something or upset or disappointed, he knew right when to go in and say like, hey guys, you gotta knock it off. Like Rob's, right. Rob's up front and he's doing what he's gotta do. And it's, it's, it's your turn to get in here and do what you got to do. Yep. And I'll never forget, like, my, Conroy saw one of the days where I was upset about something, and it, it just stepped in like that, because he was at, right. uh, I don't want to ever want to look at Craig Ellerkin as a cheerleader, because that's disturbing, but he was a, <laughs> he was a cheerleader in the back going, like, come on, guys, like, let's get to, and, and he told me, he's like, hey, you sit in here, I'm going to take care of this, and it'll be okay, yep. and you just, you yeah. <laughs> and, and, here for a little bit. and here's the thing, though, right? So let's bring it around a little bit to the conversation we had 20 minutes ago where we're talking about, you know what, though? We might not have those guys in the firehouse as much anymore. Yeah. Right? Right. So now we start talking about the junior-senior man. Um, real quick, side story. Uh, I had a, a text message or an email that was shared with me earlier today or yesterday from a guy who emailed somebody that watches our podcast or listens to our podcast and um, we had a guest on and he was um, he, he sent something to the guest in, in the aspect of thanking him for talking about his stories because he comes from a department that lacks senior guys. Mm -hmm. It's a very young department. The majority of the guys on the line are under 10 years. Yeah. They don't really have any 20, 25, 30 year guys on the line anymore. And that becomes, and I can't speak to the career department because I'm not a career fireman. I can't speak to it on that level. I mean, I have some ideas I'm, you know, I'm very familiar, but I can't speak to it as truth, so I won't. But what I will say is this, that becomes very difficult. And I think for you, that has to be difficult for you too, where you're a, you're a probie, or was, yeah. but you're still the new guy, yeah. almost, right? <laughs> one, of the, one of the newer guys, yet you have a 10-year pedigree behind you yeah. on the job where you were responsible for your own apparatus and operating by yourself and probably have flowed many lines by yourself and yeah. put out a lot of fire by yourself, right? To a new position in a new department where you're now considered the junior guy, yeah. yet you're like the middle range guy, but you're the junior guy. Yep, so I did certainly, I didn't struggle with that. I kind of knew walking into this, and, and again, this is a mindset that maybe not some people. Some people might not have this. You're right. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but it was getting the dishes, because I believe in in having that mentality. When junior guys came into Middletown, I'm not gonna lie, I broke their chops hard. Like I, I fried them a little bit, and, and a lot of that was because, you know, like I said when I started, um, I'm kind of caught in that middle phase. The guys who have seven, eight, nine, ten years on the job. The guys who had 20 and 30 years on the job, they're the salty dudes. Like, those are the guys. That, and we're not necessarily there yet, but we certainly have a hell of a lot more time on than this 20-year-old kid that just came sure. on the job. Sure. You know what I mean? So you're kind of caught in this limbo of, I'm not salty enough, and if I treat them like an asshole, they're going to call me salty, and that's in itself can be kind of an insult. And But I'm not junior enough to have them talk to me the way that I want. Or, you know, it's your turn to get in that, in that, in that right. sink. So going into Fairview, I said, you know what? Hey, Lieutenant, can I take your plate? You all done? Can I take your plate? Can I, you know, and go wash the dishes. Be the guy, you know, if something needs to get done, you don't ask. Initiative. Right. If you have to ask if something needs to get done, do it. Don't ask. Just go I, do it. I agree. And so, you know, I went into that doing that, and I think that that, having that mindset 
up until I think I want to say it was a, we had a lunch upstairs, and up until that point, we were it was maybe there a month and a half or so, maybe two months, and Rob finally asked me an opinion because some of the guys were, you know, talking about this or that or something that was bothering them that day, and he said, uh, "Hey, Mike, can you just explain to me what it was like in Middletown when he did this, 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 and this?" And I ended up like, "I'm good to talk here, okay," and I, you know, unloaded and talked a little bit about it. And uh, and guys were like <laughs> talked a lot a bit about it. <laughs> we were upstairs. I don't know if you remember. We were sitting around. If the you've ever seen like arc light bombings from Vietnam, <laughs> it was those kind of knowledge bombs. Just like all of a sudden the ground shook. Every one of us got off the ground a couple feet, and then yeah. like, wow, nobody can live through that. <laughs> so people were sitting there, and they were like, you know, you could just see that they there was a difference when we walked down after because even I went downstairs and we do the dishes and stuff, and immediately guys were like, can I? Can I do your dishes? Like kind of thing. So there was a difference immediately, right. um, because there was a kind of maybe more of an understanding of you know you might have been here for four or five years or so, and, and like not to take it, I'm, I'm still going to go out of my way to, to do the right thing in the firehouse. But there was more of an understanding that I was either on the same level with these guys, or that I had experienced something that was a little bit shittier than what they're going through today. So um, I, there was certainly some difficulties at first transitioning, but I think it was made easier by. Uh, by my ability to not have a, a bigger head and say, hey, sure. you know, I've, I've got 10 years on the job, you know, sure. you know whatever, because that's never going to get received Well, you were in well. quite a unique position, too. I mean, you know, yeah. you, I, I think coming into your position with the knowledge you already had of your previous employment, mm -hmm. knowing how the hierarchy works and so on, yeah. actually probably helped you more than your typical probie coming in. It just was your mind game of saying, okay, I got to subscribe to this again and, yeah. and get back in the trenches. I mean, yeah, I, I get absolutely. that. I get that. Uh, I, yeah. I loved my probationary period. I love in, in Middletown. I loved being able to sit in the room with the guys. And even if I was doing dishes or I was sitting there, I loved being able to sit around the table with the senior men and listen to them talk. That was something that was always yeah. so big for me. Um, uh, and, and Mike McNamee, he, he works for uh, Arlington right now. He transferred out as well. He worked with me in city Middletown. We got hired together, went to the academy together. Uh, he'll say this just as much as I will. There were times when it was like, hey, who's going to watch the desk? Because there was a guy on dispatch at all times in Middletown. Who's going to watch the desk and who's going to have to go out to the Wolves and, and sit with the senior men and the lieutenants? <laughs> uh, on Tuesday, you know, every, once, every, every couple of mornings, the retirees and the retired lieutenants, they'd come into the firehouse and sit down and have coffee. You know, who's going to the Wolves and making sure they got fresh coffee and everything who's sitting at the desk? And I'll... Me, I want to go. I want to go. I love yeah. it. You know, and, and so there was a lot of times. What a I great culture, though, where you do that as well. And just yeah. so you know, like that that face right there with his like little wave and everything, that's how he was like, "Hey, Lieutenant, can I get your dishes?" Like he had that same excitement. <laughs> so there was like a couple weeks where I'm just like, "Is is Mike messing with me? Is he just like, <laughs> right, yeah, is he yeah, trying yeah. to make it yeah. seem like I'm not doing my dishes?" Because I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> the one who's on. And like, <laughs> and I knew that he was here, like you know, and everything else. But it was just, uh, I was like, what? Why is this guy? And then the first night that he rode the ambulance and he got kicked in, oh, man. he yeah, was happy about it. Like, he was just like, I think you still, well, you didn't see, you asked if you could get some Twizzlers from somebody in Champagna. Oh, and they oh were no, like, not oh, Twizzlers, yeah. Sour Patch Kids. Oh, Sour Patch Kids. Sour Patch Kids. I love Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we were walking in. It was really funny. We ended up going for an unfortunate female who had a little too much to drink that night. And, we're, we're on our way out. We're taking it out, and all the girls are sitting in the room, and they're you know they got like the, the sad puppy face on, like they know they're up, they're in trouble. Uh, all the security guards are there. Now as I'm walking out, I was like, "Hey, you got Sour Patch Kids in there?" Nice. And the girls like, "I mean, yeah." And I was like, "You're gonna give me some, right? Like I'm helping your friend out." And she was like, 
and she threw them across the room, and I grabbed them and like kept walking out. <laughs> Thanks, girls. I came walking out, and it was, it was like three in the morning. Poor, poor Matt Cobb was working with me, and he he's not much of a morning guy, let alone That's a three funny. o'clock in the morning guy. So <laughs> he was all kinds of like taken back by my excitement just to be out and be doing what we were doing. And, and he comes funny. back in the room, and he's just like, or in the back of the firehouse, and he's just like, I got Sour Patch Kids, and he's so excited about this. And I'm like, I'm like. Just pack the ambulance in. Uh, but like yeah. that little commercial on TV where they all turn to kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, in between, uh, in between, before I got hired at Middletown, I worked at IBM in Poughkeepsie as an emergency control guy kind of thing. So you were a firefighter, hazmat tech, rope rescue tech, all this other kinds of nonsense, and it's kind of like. You know, not to take it away from, but like a Denver tool, it, it's got a lot of different purposes. But I, I, I prefer like an axe. You know, I want just one thing that I want to be proficient <laughs> in. Yeah. I don't need a bunch of things. I get it. You know, so, so working for working there, I worked overnights, and so there's just something up here that says, "Hey, we're awake. It doesn't matter if it's dark out. If it's two, three in the morning, we're awake and we're on top of our game." Because sometimes you were sleeping and you jumped up to a call. Yeah. Wake up. That's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> so there. It's something that I have where I'm, I'm wide awake no matter what time that we go out to a call and, and uh, Cobb hates me for it and a couple other guys probably do too if they've ever Yeah, but I love that because it's the excitement for the job. I yeah. mean, it's, you know, I don't know. It's I mean, like it's like opening a present on Christmas. You don't know what you're getting when it first goes off, especially if you're asleep and it goes, Wah! Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Let's get on the trucks. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's definitely different for me as the officer. <laughs> some, I just know there's going to be a day where he's smiling and be like, Conroy, not now to smile. Yeah, stop. Right? And he's just going to be like, he's like, frowny face? And I'm just be like, nah. <laughs> um, what uh, what kind of got us here, like, run into the accident? Because, like, you sure. you talked to us about it that one night behind the firehouse. Yeah. And, like, we, so we had a member of Bill Marshall who was a member of the accident. That's and, my boy, Blue. That's right. <laughs> your boy, Blue. And... We would always joke with him and see, like, oh, Bill, are you going out with the grandfathers of anarchy? Right. Because we might, might have thought that he was going for the bike. But uh, yeah. bike really, and I, I want you to touch on that. Like, so, so when I came over to Fairview, and, and you know, like that, that's like that transcends uh, departments because we always got our we always got our chops broke over in Middletown too. Myself and uh, Theron Atkins, he's the president of the Axemen currently. Um, we always got our chops broke about being in the Axemen. You know, there was tons of different things. You know, you're the Axemen and all this other stuff. But for us. Um, the, the club was started, at least our chapter, the club itself was started in March of 98 by 12 guys. And what they were kind of searching for, and, and they were looking for like that brotherhood. They wanted to, have, and of course there was camaraderie in riding bikes as well. But, um, you know, fast forward to, uh, to when New York chapter two was, was uh, created, and that's the one that I'm currently a member of and, and the vice president of. Uh, Gene Delipioli from Arlington started this one. Um, to start a chapter with the Axemen, you got to have 10 guys who are IAFF uh, retired or, or uh, uh, current and in good standing. Um, and then obviously there's 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 a huge like thing that you have to go through to make sure that you're okay doing that in your particular area for what, whatever reason. Um, but you know he started it, and what it was sold to me as, and what I have found in it is. Not to, to hit on new, the new generational firefighters that are here, but there's not necessarily the brotherhood that that I was told was what I was buying into. Um, and so when I went into the Axemen, I, I was sold on it as this is the brotherhood that's missing in the fire service. This is where it's at. Um, and so even if you have guys that are, like I always like to call meatball counters or whatever, the guys that are always worried about what I'm going to get of mine, 
You know, if I call a lot of my guys up, even if they're in the accident, and there's a lot of them who aren't, just for the sake that they don't ride bikes, there's a lot of guys I know that I call up right now and say, hey, can I, can I help, you know, do, do you need, I need some help. Like, can you help me out right now? They're going to show up. Without a doubt. And there are also guys that are going to give me, hey, if no one else can be there, I'll be there. No offense. Fuck you. I don't need your help. Hmm? <laughs> you know, in this regard. <laughs> don't need you anymore. But, so the accident for me was... Like it was transcending that idea, and it was just there are some guys from Arlington, there's some guys from Fairview, there's some guys from Middletown, there's some guys from you know a bunch of different departments in our area, and that's the way it is all around. Like I have here on my shirt, this is New York Four. They're from uh, upstate New York. They're from Dunkirk, Jamestown, Fredonia, and Salamanca. It's four different departments that are in that area. They found the guys, and much like I did, they found the good guys in the fire service. They found that brotherhood, and they came together and said, you know what? I like to ride motorcycles. I like being a good brother. I want to help these guys out. You want to help me out? Let's do this. And there's just a camaraderie there that I haven't found in many other facets, um, not necessarily just in the career side, but on the volunteer side as well. Um, and, that, and that's always been huge for me. These guys, I've been in the club now for six or seven years of my eight and a half, almost nine years now on the job. And uh, those guys, I know I could call up any single one of these guys. I'll be there. That's it. I... I keep going back to something you said when you first started this conversation two minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And you said that you got involved because you were looking for the, basically the, what you were sold on the brotherhood should be. Yeah. So that tells me that you didn't, you weren't finding or what your current, where you were was not living up to yeah. the expectations. Unfortunately, I, I rose a little too quick in Coldenham and ended up in an officer position way before I should have. Uh, and, and because of that, I was thrust into politics. Right. And that politics in the volunteer fire service, the politics in the career side of things, they will ruin you. That's where you lose your senior men. That's where you lose them, and you come in with the guy that's gung-ho, and you got the senior men that says, fuck you, kid. You know, can you go check your rig somewhere else? Can you, you know, go away. You know what I mean? That's where you lose those guys is in that politics. That'll ruin firefighting. Um, and, it, and it ruins guys. So for me, you know, Coming up in Coldenham, I, I had some issues when I was younger, and certainly no fault, there was some fault of theirs. But a good amount of that fault was me being 21, 22, 23 years old and, kid. And, and doing stuff that I probably shouldn't have done, but getting you know disenfranchised from what I thought it was going to be because of politics and nonsense and arguments over state law this and how many guys do we have to Yo, take the firehouse lawyer Just, yeah, yeah absolutely like I said you know uh, we've had this conversation Rob and I a couple times sitting around the firehouse you know this kind of conversation can get handled by guys who have three button down suits yeah. uh, three piece suits and they pay they get paid a lot more money than we do we're going to sit around here and say we know what we're talking about that guy got paid to go to school and do all this stuff he knows what he's talking about we don't so you know, for, for at the end of the day let's call them Let's stop talking about it. But is some um, of what you were looking for because your father was in the fire service and some of the things he came back to the house with maybe? You know, and like I said, when, when I, by the time that I was even of age to have an idea of what a firefighter was or fire department even was, my dad was never involved. He, okay. he had stepped away. Fortunately, he had some issues that, that made him step away from it. Um, and, uh, you know, for whatever reason, we never really talked about it. To this day, we still haven't had many conversations about the fire service. You know, he gave me a big old hug when I got hired. He, you know, gave me a kiss on the cheek. I love you, kid, and stuff like that. But um, for the most part, we still haven't talked much about a lot of the firefighting stories that, that he might have that, that would uh, be of value to me. Um, so I came into it. What really, my big base of, like, the brotherhood 
was uh, that volunteer side and, and where I got from that, which I still am really close friends with a lot of the guys that I grew up with in, in Coldenham. And then when I went to uh, Middletown and started working there, when I went to go transfer, I called up one of my guys who had transferred before me and I said, you know, what's, what's the hardest part of this? Like, how do, you, how do you leave the guys? And he said, Mike, the guys that I, like, I want to be in touch with still, I'm in touch yeah. with still. Yeah. You know, and, and that's not to take away, like, you know, for instance, like a guy like Steve Taggart, who I haven't talked to in a, in a couple of weeks, maybe months, not to take anything away from him, I'd love to talk to him again. You know, so there, there is that where you just kind of lose contact sometimes. But there are guys... I don't really care if I talk. Yeah, to but those are the guys that you pick up that conversation. Like, and it's like it never happens. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, yeah, yes. Without Absolutely. So that I think that's big. So the so the axmen themselves. I mean, it's there's pro- probably a lot of people that don't know what who or yeah. what, but it's a motorcycle club. Yeah, it's a motorcycle club, like club. you said. Yeah. Of firefighters, but you're also you do charitable. Yeah. Work well, as well. I, most of us. So the axmen MC over its uh, 20 year history has done over one million dollars in charitable donations, and a lot of the. Um, Departments that, or a lot of the Axemen chapters that do this, a lot of them take up their burn foundations, you know, that are in their area for either the firefighters or widows right. uh, kind of thing. Um, so a good amount of them are 501c3s. And so it's a big charitable organization. We want to That's get great. back to our community. It kind of brings us back to that yeah. idea of volunteering to make our community better for ourselves. Yeah. You know, you can't just sit back and say, yeah. I can't believe this is happening in my in my neighborhood you say what can I do to be proactive in this neighborhood and make it better so a lot of these chapters are going out of their way to, to hold one if not multiple charitable events throughout the year to raise money for something that they believe in right so it's big how many chapters are there in the United States now? so there are 30 chapters across 13 states our furthest one west is in Washington and and uh, New York is obviously the furthest one east and where's the original chapter started Detroit okay. yeah it's out of hmm. Detroit how many members total do you know I don't know off the top of my head, but yeah, it is a good, it's, it's, a, it's a high number. <laughs> I know personally, like the, the Facebook page that we have has over 300, 400 members, something wow. like that on it. So. Nice. Uh, All right, so let's chat. I put up with you, I don't know, but. Yeah, let, yeah. Let's, alcohol. let's chat about Master, your. So uh, same answer. We were hitting on the Axemen yeah. and uh, the importance that plays in your life and mm-hmm. so on. And, you know, it, it's funny, you, you made a mention about um, the Axemen, you know that if you needed a hand, you make a phone call. Yeah. And and that's where you're getting that support, that unconditional support. Yeah. And it, funny, I tell this story a lot. Um, I don't know if I've ever told it here, but my wife, the one thing about the fire service that she absolutely loves is the fact that when I travel, and I, I travel sometimes, um, often, and she knows when I'm out of town that, God forbid anything happens, yeah. it takes one phone call and, absolutely. and the cavalry arrives, <clears throat> whereas a lot of her girlfriends don't have that. Yeah. You know, you, you don't get that from your private friends. Yeah. And I mean private, like, and, and civilian always, friends yeah. that are outside of the fire service. So yeah. yeah, a lot of times, I mean, you know, even calling up some of these people, I'll reach out to them. I went to Ohio a couple couple years back, and I just went onto our Facebook page and said, hey, look, I'm coming through Ohio. Anybody around? Or anybody? And immediately I got hit up by a couple of people. Hey, if you're in this area, stop by this firehouse. Stop by this. If you need to stay over, you can stay at our clubhouse kind of thing. Nice. You know, the guys were just overly welcoming, which yeah. is fantastic. That's um, cool. And, and when I talk about, like, my guys, so uh, New York, too, is a little bit smaller of a chapter than some of, especially, the, you know, the mother chapter in Detroit and a couple of the other ones here and there. Uh, we have a little bit of a smaller chapter. But one of the things that's, like, like born and bred into us um, and I believe it, it in the fire service and the axemen, I think it's huge, is quality over quantity. And, and I think that that is like, that's big. You know, I don't care if I have 100 guys, if only five of them know what they're doing and the rest are going to sit on their thumb the rest of the night, like, 
what, what does it matter? You know, it's just a number on paper. But so for us, I'd rather have 10 guys that know exactly what it means to be a brother and know exactly what it means to be there when somebody needs you and, and that, are, that are like going to step up and help out when they need to. And even when they don't need to, because not always is it me calling up saying, hey, Correct. I need some help. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, and, and I think that's across the board. It's not always, you know, even if it's, it's something as simple as like, hey, Mike's been drinking a lot lately. Is everything all right with him? You know, not that I'm having those calls, but <laughs> my wife would get those calls first. She'd be calling people <laughs> like, hey, can somebody come over and take the liquor? But you're right, though. It, it, <laughs> but, but I think that goes to the bigger concept of knowing what's going on in each other's lives, right? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, you, you want to surround yourself with stand-up people, and you want to yeah. surround yourself with people that you know you can lean on them, and, and they're going to lean on you. Yeah. And taking that invested interest and taking time out of your busy schedule, You're right? So with to these know. guys a lot, right. and they know you, so they know yeah. when something's Different changes up. in habits, yeah. different and, changes and, in behavior. And they're yeah. going to ask questions. Yep. And, um, and, I think that, and I think that's big. Like I said, it's not always going to be the guy that's saying, hey, I need some help, that you yeah. need to call up and say, hey, man, is everything all right? Yes. And I think that you have that in the Axeman. I think that that's something that you find there. That you might not find somewhere else. Quality over quantity. I like Huge. It. Yeah, Huge. it makes sense. I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, it's a mantra in life. I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, if I've got if that, that's a whole like uh, circle of friends kind of thing. If I've right. got a small circle and it's three or four, five loyal people. Right. The rest are acquaintances. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? I agree with you. And then also you were talking about the Axemen, and that you know I, I just think it's great because we've never had. I don't know anything about the group, and I've mm -hmm. seen guys at you know different parties and things and yeah. so on, but. Um, you traveled to Detroit, and then you said that's the yeah. mother chapter, or what so, did you call it? Like or? I said, in March of 98, uh, there were 12 guys. That's where the Axemen originated. They, they started the, the, the group, um, and I mean, it was 20 years ago this year. So, yeah, I just went to Detroit um, for four or five days. I went, down, uh, went up there, over there, whichever. That way. Um, I went, <laughs> <laughs> my wife would know that conversation. We, we had a fun argument, not to get off topic here, but we were talking about going to Ohio once. And uh, my family, I have some family in southern Ohio, like almost Kentucky. I got on the borderline of Kentucky, and I, and I made a comment that we were going to go south to Ohio. And she's like, Ohio's not south, it's west. And I was like, I mean, it's south-southwest where we're going. And it ended up being this big thing where every once in a while people was like, or they'll be saying, are you guys going to talk about going south? Are you going west? And I was like, this conversation's going south right now. Yeah, this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she gets she, she exactly. all kinds of stuff with me. But, yeah. um, but it is west. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, we went to Detroit. We spent a lot of time out there with those guys. And I'm telling you, it was it was. And such, these are active fire, like firemen they're, on the they're, line. And so the axemen are either, it's an IAFF exclusive club uh, we do allow what we call uh, associate members um, for every 10 members you can have two associate members um, kind of thing uh, so and that's kind of the same as having like to put it into perspective having somebody who lives outside of your district so a lot of times in fire departments you have this so many members and you're allowed to have a certain number of members who live outside the district right. by New York State law or, or whatever it is um, so we kind of have that particular situation going on uh, but those people are also firefighters, right? You not necessarily. To, no, you don't have not to be a firefighter. In the not necessarily. Um, hmm. uh, but again, like for instance, right now, on my cut, you'll see it. It says firefighters. Yeah. On their cut, it'll say AM. They're an associate member. Gotcha. Um, not to take anything away from them, a lot of those guys are are 
like squared away guys and they're home runs and they get the idea the concept of brotherhood a lot of them they're have home been run Jeremy and squared away yeah <laughs> all in one this is this is incredible uh, some of them were volunteers some it's of like them like a grand aren't. slam yeah. <laughs> yeah. some of them are volunteers some of them aren't and it just they understand the concept of brotherhood yeah right and, and I so think they're stand up they're stand up stand up mm-hmm. guys you know, why do we sit down on the set? I just don't get I just, it. I, I love it. I, I, can't, I can't wait for the, uh, the, Jeremy, the Jeremy book of uh, sayings comes out. But uh, yeah. that's fantastic. So, um, you know, you do have certain guys, and it's, it's a small percentage. But for like, we went to Detroit, and there was a couple hundred guys there. And they're all either, you know, IAFF active, IAFF retired, or they're guys that those guys trusted enough to say, hey, I'm going to call you a brother. Right. And I think that's, that's, it was awesome. It was such a great time out there um, just celebrating, you know, 20 years of, of continuation of brotherhood outside of the firehouse, either because they couldn't find it in their firehouse or because, you know, it, it was a, an enhancement to what they had in the firehouse. Um, I, I, I just think it's fantastic that there's an organization out there that, if you're not finding what you need in the firehouse, right? Because not everybody's fortunate to be yeah. in a good houses. firehouse, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, good firehouses, they're not... Comp- they're they're not harder and harder to come Yes, by. thank you. Yes. Thank you. We for, have to have good people that continue all the well, things. Without a doubt. I mean, that, that's the clue. Yeah. Right, that's the... I, I look at going out to Utah to Salt Lake City to Station 8, and, and they were stand-up brother and sisters. Like, they... Like, I mean, and if anybody from Salt Lake's watching... Who wants to disagree? You take it up to Station 8. But they were like the crown jewel of the city because they were like, come on in, check it out. Like, yeah. let's talk about this yeah. stuff yeah. And, and be open and honest. And I don't think that is always there. Like, because let's face it, there's always going to be that sea shift, as uh, Bruno Cini used to say, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah. you know, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. So. yeah I, I just think it's great. I think it's great that you have the ability to, to seek that out if you weren't getting it, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, I ride a, a bicycle, so I couldn't do it. You know, I mean, it, <laughs> it also and, and has extra wheels on it. Uh, training wheels, but that's a whole other story. Well, we're always looking to expand. We're always looking yeah. for new members. That's great, though. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it, that, that's great. And that and the, the charitable contributions you make yeah. and, the, and the fact that you have that mantra of quality over quantity, I mean, yeah. it just it speaks to the fire service. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a club, but it speaks to our core values. Like, what's Absolutely. one of the things in the Axman that you did that was uh, – like when you you know you, you joined it and everything you went through your like your probationary period pretty much with them yeah but like what were some of the charities and some of the events that you did you were like yeah this is like I'm, so, I'm happy I'm here this is my place the first thing that I ever did with them was bikers for Bella and uh, I can't to be honest I wasn't really associated with them I, I kind of just was hanging out because one of the guys had asked me to come and spend some time with them because he wanted me to come and, and uh, spend some time at the club and maybe join um, but bikers for Bella raised money for. Uh, a fireman whose daughter, I believe she was, uh, she had lost her hearing and, and they didn't have the money to pay for some of her medical expenses. Um, and so they, uh, they, they put forth the effort to raise some money for her. And that was at the Elks Lodge out in Arlington's fire district. Um, and then every year, uh, up until this past year, we've done Axman for Animals, where we've raised money for local uh, ASPCAs in the area. Um, we try to donate to no-kill shelters. Um, and, and that's kind of the charity that we took on. Uh, this year, <clears throat> we changed it up a little bit, and it was uh, the Axman Salute uh, Veterans, Salute to Veterans. And so kind of encompassing what we had done previously with, with taking care of animals and, and whatnot, what we went and did was we um, raised money for a charitable organization called Paws of War, and it's based out of Long Island. 
Um, and what they do is they take shelter dogs and out of no-kill shelters and stuff like that, and they train them to be uh, service dogs for military veterans uh, who have PTSD or are suffering from uh, any type of mental illness, and they and they then give them to them. So I, I thought that was a fantastic yeah. charity that we took on this year. It, it encompassed what we wanted to do, and um, that was a big one. Uh, you know. A big charity for us. I think it hit home for a lot of a lot of our guys, whether they're in the fire service or, or not. A lot of our guys are veterans. That uh, yeah, it's a, it's a whole other community and, that. And for that those needs. that are watching and listening into the podcast, Mike has three dogs. <laughs> three dogs. So like he's you know I mean that's my the, wife would say she has four, but right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one day we'll get that fourth one to stop peeing on the carpet. Right. <laughs> I don't know. We let, yeah. him, we let him out twice tonight. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no leash, though. Yeah, yeah. He always comes back home, but you never know where he's going to be. That's funny. <laughs> the amount of comments you might get on that. Yeah. But uh, seriously, though, I mean, that, that's like a that's an awesome charity, especially for yeah. our vets, because yeah. uh, <laughs> um, it, it, it's a great. <laughs> the comments are coming here, loose. Your wife comment anyone. So, we don't need that many dogs. So, <laughs> so real quick, people that are listening and so on. I mean, we're doing a Facebook Live as well, so we're getting comments strolling in and so on. So and we appreciate all the comments, but uh, especially from just, Michael's uh, wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Diane's an all-star, but um, that's great. And what a great organization and yeah. uh, thank you for enlightening us on that because i yeah really didn't know much about it yeah but, um, um, you know i'm proud to be a member of it i love cool. it um i had a, a little bit of a uh a come to god type of situation this past year in april uh, i had a motorcycle accident and uh i kind of had a moment where it was like do i keep doing this do i get back on a bike and uh, for the first couple of weeks of my way i don't know if she'll comment on this or not but i had a couple of really hard to heart moments with her where you know i just broke down a little bit because of how much it affected my life and I said, you know what, do I, do I get back on a bike? And uh, God bless her, she was like, hey look, I don't understand these guys that uh, say their wives don't let them have a bike. You want a bike and that's part of your life, you go get a bike, Mike. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I went out a couple of times with the, the, the guys from my club, they, they surrounded me, they came over to my house and helped me out. Um, every single you know, whether I turned down their support or not, when they said, hey, can I come over and help? And I said, no, I got it, no worries. But the, the calls were coming in, they were always there. Um, and I went out to one of my first events uh, after I'd gotten hurt and I, I put on my cut, my arm was, you know, I was in a cast and stuff and I, I went to the event and I said, you know what? No, I got, I got to I got to stay in this. This is it. Um, and it, it just, it means a lot to me to be in this, in this club. So it gets a lot of slack. We get our balls broke a little bit, but, um, that's fine. I don't care about that. It, it means the world to me to be a part of this, uh, organization and, uh, and, uh, like I said, we're always looking to expand. So guys who are, like I said, and, and Jeremy said, if you're not finding it where you're at, you can come find it with us. We have a lot of fun. Yeah, and, dudes. It, and if it's it, Axemen, yes, but there's other organizations too, I'm sure. Oh, and, 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 sure. Right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and and the point is, is like, you know, what, what I want to make sure of is that we get that message across that if you're in a tough firehouse and you're having a hard time finding and seeking out what you're looking for, don't let that deter you from being the best fireman you can be. Yeah. Go seek out. Go go to another district and find guys that get it. Go find somewhere. I mean, there's opportunities out there. Pursue those opportunities. Because I, the last thing I want to see is for a stand-up guy to get shaken loose from the industry. There's just because everywhere. 
doesn't yeah, matter. Agreed. You know, oh, yeah. Agreed. So, Hands down. Rob and I had this conversation on the way down, and, we, and you know, for a lack of better words, I said, you know, there are shit bags on the career side, and there are shit yes. bags on the volunteer side, Absolutely. and you have guys that are really motivated and want to get better on both sides of the of the coin as well. Um, and and on top of that, you know, when you get into stuff like this and you talk about this. There's almost like that mindset where you sit back and guys want to joke about it, and it becomes an you know it becomes like a, a you know not like a, a hit and hard from the yard kind of thing, but you have that kind of mentality from some people where they want to joke about this sort of stuff, and I'd say that there's probably two types of people who would do that: guys who never understood it in the first place, or the guys that are going to break chops about it because right. they get a reaction, but they're still the ones that are going out in the middle of the night taking pictures of fires. You know what I mean? Like they're I, still buffy as all yeah. hell, and and so I agree with you. You know, I, you just roll with the punches and stuff like that. You I mean, you to. have to, but part of this business is that, right? You gotta have thick skin. You, you gotta be. You gotta be a man. Yeah, I mean, you, you gotta be you tough. Definitely have to. Have thick, if you don't thick have skin, thick skin, you ain't gonna make it. No, there right. there are times when you know you do get a little down on whatever's going on because of politics and your sure. firehouse or whatever, or, you know. And but you have brothers that pick up on that, and that'll yeah. you know follow you home and chat with you and you know right. it brings you back around but you have to find that outlet if you're in that department that doesn't have that mentality yeah. right and you don't ex you don't go seek it out you're going to fall away from the business you're going to fall away from the fire mm -hmm. service and yeah. you could be an incredible fireman that has all the right reasons but if you don't have that support network behind you yeah, right. you're, you're, you know it's it's tough it's everyone tough. has that opportunity to fall off yeah, yeah. everyone yeah. has that opportunity and you yeah. either make a decision to change it or you fall off. And I think That's the it. other thing, too, that we don't talk about often in the fire service, not us, but just the fire service in general, is we all go through those lulls, right? Like, yes. you know, something happens or you have a rough day and you're like, ah, I'm not, you know, next thing you know, in a volunteer service, you haven't gone down to the firehouse in a week or two, or you're turned off a little bit by something that happened, whether on a political level, a company level, or whatever. And in the career service, you might get ginged for something that, you know, you thought you were doing right, and a yeah. superior dings you wanted, or mm -hmm. a junior guy, you know. You know like the attack of the stomp stomp will come in, you know. And right. Like, That's right. And yeah. it, 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 like you were saying, like, it, there are times when you're doing all the, like you said, think you're doing it right, or you get jammed up on something stupid, like I forgot an address or something. You know, I, I heard a dispatch come in once, and it comes in as, uh, you know, I hear 76 West Main Street. And I jump, and I was in Walk Hills by myself, and, and I come out. I know that's a left, and I go to start heading down the hill. Well, screw me, it's 176 West Main Street, which is to the right. We've all done it. Yeah. We've you know all done I mean? it. But you end up, get, you know, you end up in that situation, and it's like, oh man, yeah. I don't want to be here anymore. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to do it, but I, the police cars going <laughs> the wrong way. Yeah. That's down. that's one of those things. But I'm talking about the bigger picture, where you have a 20 year old kid that's busting his ass every day at the firehouse, trying to make it better. Putting on his equipment right, being yeah. squared away, hood on, ready to go, ready to go to work, even for a carbon monoxide alarm, and he starts to get taken down or taken apart by the guys that are like, ah, or, or he loses an election to a politician. That oh, too, yeah. you know what I mean? Right. One of those, and when I say politician, I don't mean a politician. I mean yeah. one of those guys that's good at talking in the firehouse and good at making friends and whispering in ears that's in the right. back rooms. But it's here's huge. but here's you the take, thing: you can disenfranchise motivated people by doing oh, that absolutely. Stuff. But, right. but we have to stand up and scream the message that if you're squared away and you know you're doing the job right, don't let those mutts bring you down. No. Go seek out yeah. the axeman. Go yeah. seek out another department that has that <clears throat> same type of values. There's always another and, brother that can absolutely help you bring because you for all way. the mutts, the yeah. mutts don't make it. 
They don't stay. No. Right. Right? Yep. They don't right. stay. They're there long enough to cause the, their cancer. Right. And they're there long enough to cause the problems, and then they disappear. And, disappear, and then it's another mutt that comes in after. And then it's pick up. Yep. It's pick right. back up. Yeah. You know. And they're never going to crawl in the hallway. But when I right, right. absolutely. And that's, that's the absolutely. one thing. Like you know, for those of us who do it, like it's you know, like it, I don't know. There was something like we had Bobby here. You know, we we're talking about him, like and, and the stuff like that. Like you know that that guy's like he's dying, right? Well, at least I hope so because at this point, he's <laughs> but like, yeah. but like you know, like and like, yeah. you know, my experience is not going to equal what he's got in Camden. But at the same time, in talking to him off camera, it's like you know what? There's that understanding because we both know we've. It's that mutual respect. Yeah, it's that understanding know? that the job is bigger than all of us, yeah. right? This sitting here tonight, we're just stewards of, of an incredible business, and we're fortunate enough that somehow our paths got us to the fire service. Yeah, because I'm in love with this job. And so, you know, whether volunteer or career, I'm in love with the job. And at the end of the day, don't let somebody f let you fall out of love with it. Yeah. Plain and simple. You, you had a tough time. You were like, screw this. I got to find something else that's going to make me better as a person. Yeah. Right? Yep. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It's just, it's hard. It's not easy. Yeah. No. That's not, like I said earlier, there's not a day that goes by I don't think about those guys in Middletown sure. yeah. that are fighting a good fight. That but you didn't leave because doing. of them. No. Right. Uh, right. No, They're still part not. of your fire department oh, family. That's man. right. Well, and, that's right. And I think like some of the times, like for the people who are listening out there or watching as we're doing a live stream, one of the things that was pretty unique for me is I've always, like I got hired in the city of Poughkeepsie and I transferred to Fairview. So there's always people around. And I'm talking to Mike about his first year. And he's talking about these firehouses that he was at where it was just one other guy. And because Mike was Mike, which everybody who knows Mike is like, <laughs> oh, yeah, like, that's Mike. But, like, there was one guy, like, he said, like, he's like, he wasn't sure of him. So for his own security, yeah. because he didn't know who this kid was and the environment, he wasn't really going to talk yeah. to him. And at it's the, no fault in that guy. Uh, right. Or, at, the, at the time. Yeah, at the time. And, I'll, I'll, and, I'll, and just before you jump into it, I was going to say, like, and working at that single engine house by yourself. Yeah. And, and not being able to communicate with the guys because there's an order that you can't go down and sit with the rest of your shift and have that bond of brotherhood. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, it was just... Yeah, there were a lot of times I was bouncing crazy. off the walls. Working, so when I worked in it, I worked there for about a year. I was just bouncing off the walls up there. It's not like I'm a high-energy type of person. And I'm no. sitting there and it's... Yeah. <laughs> you know, You're not high-energy at all, Mike. Uh, I don't I'm know. I'm sitting there, it's 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, hey, man... I watched a movie. I watched my truck. I watched the ladder truck or the the engine. I went and, and uh, I went through the entire all the compartments. I know where everything is. What do I do now? You know, and it's like it's a weekend shift. So what am I going to do? You know, and so you're sitting there. You can't saying, leave the firehouse. Can't leave the firehouse. Yeah. So so for the most part, on the weekends, you weren't allowed to. You weren't supposed to go down to Central Fire. If you did, they'd start calling up. Why Why is Engine Six down there? You know, which is ridiculous. But so I'd sit there sometimes, and then and then uh, <laughs> just kidding. But you know, sometimes you. <laughs> I don't work there anymore, so it is what it is. Awesome. There's times you sit there and you just and you bleed off a bottle and say, "Hey, uh, Lieutenant, I got to come down and fill a bottle." Or if I come down to the firehouse, you go down and fill up your bottle just because you want to talk to another right. human being. Oh yeah. You know, working working North Street for a little bit. I, I had a partner. Um, I was young on the job when I first got. Home. I was 22. And uh, so I had a guy, I was 23, 24, when I finally moved on to his group and on to his shift uh, at North Street. And the guy was really unsure of me because I was a young kid. I was a polarizing figure because I was loud and liked to joke around and have a lot of fun. And so he was like, for a long time, he really didn't want to talk to me, didn't want to associate with me. And, you know, I don't hold it against him because 30-year-old me looking at 22, 23-year-old me, right. I probably wouldn't want to talk to me either. 
You know, so <laughs> there's just the so difference. Just remember you that. say you that. that. It's pretty <laughs> funny. Just remember. You know, I'd like to watch from a short distance, but I probably wouldn't talk to me. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how this plays out, everybody. Yeah. Let's get a good seat so, for the show. Yeah, and, and you know what? That guy to this day is, is an avid supporter of me and everything that I do, and I love him to death. He's a home. Uh, I love that guy. So I'm not gonna call him a home run. I'm yeah, well, you say. did. You I were almost there. did. You were there. I, I do like you him. Were there. He's, he's a he's a good dude, and I would do anything for him. So and he knows who it. he is. I love it. I mean, I, just awesome. Great stories. Man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, and we hit on a lot of stuff tonight too, Mike. That <clears> I, I thank you because it seems like every time we get together for one of these studio sessions, we always hit on something a little bit different. Yeah. And tonight was great, man. Yeah. Bringing I, in the Axemen stuff that was fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and just your story. I mean, I I have to give you a lot of credit because. A lot of people don't do that internal review of themselves and, and think they need more than what they're getting. And I think that's, you know, kudos to you for, for recognizing that because... Before we wrap it up, though, I, I got to yeah, say, no. like, there's, there's one thing that we should hit on that Mike uh, has has talked to me about and he's talked to a, a lot of guys about with... Is it Batman? No, no, it's a, we can bring up the Batman thing. <laughs> and I, I know somebody out here watching live will be able to post a uh, Eddie Roth just said, finally. Um, <laughs> but uh, if somebody's got the picture of Mike in the Batman costume directing traffic down the White Plains, please post it in the comments. However, uh, so Mike talked to us a little bit about his job in Middletown and, and some of the things they had to overcome. But one of the things that I was most impressed with was how he talked about the break-in period for new guys because they didn't have that. How, how did you put it? You didn't have a lot, so you held on to the seniority and you made sure those guys. Oh, man. It, so in Middletown, seniority is everything. It's everything. Um, it means everything to those guys. So I'm badge number 108 in the city of Middletown, and, and I'll always have that number. That's my number. Um, so the seniority thing is such a huge thing for Middletown because that's how you bid uh, your positions every year. The senior man gets that whatever spot he wants as it rolls around and through the vacancies and stuff. Um, that's a big part of it. There's a lot of respect there that goes there with the, with the seniority um, because because you don't have a lot of managerial direction and you don't have a lot of anything but, unfortunately, animosity for anything higher than what your career level is. Um, the seniority is something that is just it's huge for those guys out there, and you have to hang on to that. And I, and I think that that's an important thing, not just for Middletown, but for everybody. That seniority, being able to respect a senior man is big it's very big I it's going so. to it's going to make the yeah, difference I, I agree. <laughs> it's going to make the difference between how you handle either your probation period and what yeah. kind of fireman you become like i said i'm caught in limbo I, i'm not one of those salty dudes that's 20 30 years on the job but i'm certainly not one of the the little pups anymore either right. but i'm only the fireman that i am right now because of the guys that came before me and the more that people understand that and respect that themselves and understand, listen to those lessons. Like a lot of times you have these newer guys that come up in the fire service and they just don't understand that like, I might not be right about this. And the guy that's breaking my chops and telling me I'm wrong about this is probably because either he did it 20 years ago when I was still still sitting on a potty trainer or he saw someone, one of his brothers go through it. Yeah. You know, and so it, it, we run into a, you get into an issue where like, I'm only the person I am because I listen to my senior men. And they were good senior men who, who taught me like a really invaluable lesson that when it comes down to it, be as best a fireman as you can. Like Lieutenant Terry Ward at a 32 truck was one of the instructors. This, this still is stuck in the back of my head and it'll forever be stuck in the back of my head. We were at the fire academy. I was finishing up my final week there and all of the instructors lined up and they all imparted us a, a, bit of, a bit of wisdom. And what he said to us was, go back to your jobs and give a damn about your jobs. 
just give a damn about your jobs. And that, that has really stuck with me. And so when I went back to my job, I gave a damn about my job. And then I had a senior man tell me, you know how much of an impact you're going to make on this job? Put your hand in a bucket of water, pull it out, and then take a look at it. That's what you're going to make. And it kind of humbled me Yeah. to say, give a damn about my job, but understand that it's a, there's a bigger picture out there. You know, and a lot of times we get stuck and we're unable to see the forest through the trees. There's a bigger picture out there. It's way bigger than any one of us or any one of our egos. Humble yourselves and go out of your way to give a damn about your job. I think that's, that's huge. Um, so that's where seniority comes into play. Respect your senior men and, and understand that seniority is there for a reason. And, and also, when you get to be that senior man, take somebody under your wing and mentor yeah. somebody else. Yeah, they say a good leader doesn't, you know, they don't, <laughs> they don't just lead. They take the next guy yeah. up and say they recognize leadership in somebody who's not there yet and not ready to do it. And you, cult, you just culture them up yep. and bring them up to, to match that level. That's a, that's, that's a sign of a true leader. I love it. I love it. I think, uh, I think we should wrap it on that. Yeah, because that was a good note. Doesn't get any better than that. that I mean, this guy, this guy's, pretty, this guy's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's pretty good. But uh, yeah, awesome. Diane's got a awesome. giant pin for him back home. He's played oh, a little yeah. bit when yeah. Yes. <laughs> so right. But no, he's she's so good at it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I just I can't thank you enough. I mean, you and I have never met before. Yeah. You know, and so on. I know you're, uh, you've been on Rob's group, and yep. Rob has spoken very highly of you. Uh, not that I'll ever say that again to you. It's out there forever now, But what I love is that what we get to do with National Fire Radio is meet guys that I would probably never meet. Yeah. And I, I get to learn their stories, and then we become the stewards of getting their story out. And your message tonight was awesome. And I want you to know that because... I sit here, uh, we've done 14 of these episodes now, um, which I'm humbled by that and that people are willing and wanting to watch and listen. But, you know, Michael Conroy, Fairview Fire District, like, you know, not New York City, it's not Boston, it's not, you know, L.A., like, you know, Chicago. And, and I have to tell you that, you know, I love the story, and I love the story just as much as any other brother from anywhere else. And, and I thank you for sharing your story. And what I've learned since we started this was the fact that there are guys that are willing to trust us with their story. Yeah. yeah. And I thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. And, and, and that validates what we're doing. And for me, when we talk about this, Rob Tucker, myself and Sebi, and we talk about national fire radio, I'm very humbled by the fact that you're willing to come here tonight and share your story. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart because there was a lot of things discussed tonight that I think are invaluable. And there are what I'm finding through our platform as we grow, we're getting a lot of people coming back to us saying like, hey, thank you for that. Thank you for this yeah. and so on. And uh, and so if we can, you know, help out one or two brothers tonight just by this. Um, thank you. I mean, yeah. great message. Great story. Thank you guys yeah. for having me. I, yeah. think, uh, give them a, shield. It was cool. I think it's a fantastic yeah. thing that you guys are doing here. Um, thank you. Yeah. So we're going to have to. So I, I will say thank you. We're going to have to cut because we're running out of time here. So we're going to cut and then we'll come back with the shield. All right. um, and uh, thank you. So give us thank two minutes. Guys. Michael, thank you, brother. Thank you I so appreciate much. you for Mike, being thanks, here. Man. Really, thank you. Thank no you. Problem. Thanks for having me. You gonna do your clap? Do the, there we go. Awesome. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks. <laughs>